me just begin by saying the irony is not lost on me that on Mother's Day we're going to talk about the wrath of God, all right? So, <laughs> I don't know, there were a few times growing up, there, I, I'm pretty sure I saw the wrath of God in my mom's eyes <laughs> raising four boys, so you can only imagine. Uh, like the one time she pushed me across the uh, kitchen, so that's the... She was a strong lady, man. I was, I was, I was big at that time. So, no, uh, you know, we <laughs> we are in the Book of Revelation. We we've been out of it. We jumped back in uh, of all days, Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. Uh, I will have to say that you know the truth of this scripture. If you embrace it, your mom will be excited because uh, at the end of the day, moms want their kids to trust in the Lord. Moms want their kids the best for their kids. And so I do think it is appropriate. I'm, I'm, it's a little stretch, I get it. But, uh, and, uh, but uh, we do want to talk about this today. We, we've been in the book of Revelation off and on for uh, a year and a half. And uh, we're winding down uh, with it. We are in the book of, uh, or chapter of 16 today. So you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to be in the first seven verses, and uh, we're going to do three weeks. Uh, it's going to take three weeks to kind of talk about uh, Revelation chapter 16, um, and, and then we're going to jump into a, a summer series, and then in the fall, we will um, we'll get, we'll wrap this up by the end of the year. Let's just say that. So, but, but I do want to say, you know, why did we choose to, to spend a good part of two years Looking at the book of Revelation, number one, you know, uh, many um, imagine, uh, and we, we certainly understand that the, the day in which we live, uh, cert- the scripture, you know, helps us see again and again that uh, all things are drawing to a close. And so why not begin to look at what that's going to look like? Now, I don't know when that is, and that's not the purpose of this series is to put a, a marker or some time on this. Many have done that for centuries, and they've <laughs> were, they were wrong. So um, that's not the point. The point of the book of Revelation, just as with any book of the Bible, is for us to see Jesus. Now you may think, what, what about the Old Testament? Well, Jesus is there. It's just a shadow of what was to come, a promise of what was to come. And and we see in all the way from the book of Genesis, the Genesis 3.15, the promise of the one who would come and crush the head of the serpent, all the way until Revelation, we see Jesus woven through the pages of Scripture. And in the book of Revelation, we see Jesus in this new glory, this new, uh, this new uh, revelation of who he has always been, but who he reveals himself to be. And so we've looked at this glorious figure, this, our Savior, and, uh, who, who is at the very same time that he is Lion of Judah, is also slain Lamb of God. And we see him in these pictures in this book. And we see things about him that are so important for us to see that we don't fully see other places. So that was what we set out to do long before when we, when we decided that we would do this. 
And today we come to a tough chapter. We, we have looked at uh, the, the seven seals of God, the seven trumpets of God, and today we look at the seven bowls, the bowls of God's judgment that will be poured out upon our world. Now some believe that each of those things, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, some believe that they each are separate sets of judgments. Some believe that each one show a little bit of a different angle of the same judgments. And it, either way, either way you view it, these bold judgments seem the harshest, whether the same and just a different angle or they are a, a separate set. They do seem the harshest. So again, happy Mother's Day to you. So let me say a word about judgment. Because that's what's happening here, judgment. In the next three weeks, we're just going to talk about the judgment of God. So you're very welcome. We don't like it. We don't like. We don't like to come to this understanding that God is a just judge. We just don't like it. We don't like judgment in general, especially when judgment is aimed at you or me, right? Now, we're not so worried about it if it's aimed towards someone else, especially if we deem that it's deserved. But no one, no one, no one wants the judgment of God aimed toward them. Can I just say for a moment that if you find yourself apart from Christ in this moment, can I just tell you the judgment of God is already aimed at you? And that's just something we don't, we don't like to talk about. We don't like to see. But John 3.16, our favorite verse, right? Everyone's favorite verse. John 3.16 and following show us this very truth. We love John 3.16. We love it. We love to read it. I didn't plan on this, so I didn't have it marked. All right, but I'm going to share with you this. All right, John 3, 16. We all know it. We could probably uh, say it by heart. It would probably not be this translation. It would probably be, it's King James for me. But let me read it in this translation. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That passage is so amazing, and we love it. We love it, don't we? And it's true. It's true. Don't hear me say that it's not. It is so true. And we can just listen to that verse and just relish in the fact that God loves. God loves. But continue reading. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That sounds pretty good too. We like that one. Verse 18. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. You see, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the condemnation of God already awaits you. And that's hard. We don't like that. We, 
We love to focus on the love of God. We love scriptures like God is love, and we run from scriptures that say, you one day will surely die. We don't like judgment. We don't talk about it. We, we come to church, especially on Mother's Day. So I'm just totally blowing up our preconceived notions of what a message in church should be Right, Because we want to come to church and we want to walk out and we want to feel good. Now, we're cool with a little bit of challenge. We want to be challenged a little bit, step on our toes a little bit, but not too much. But on Mother's Day, Derek, come on. You know, it needs to be nice, good, you know, uh, make us feel good. That's what we, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious, of course, but that's what we expect. We expect good feeling messages. A little challenging maybe, but not but not too convicting. We don't want judgment. We don't want to hear it, and we especially don't want to experience it. But what we must see is that judgment must come. It will come eventually, and we cannot outrun it. We don't like for our God to judge either. We don't, we don't like that. We... We want New Testament Jesus God, right? Who, who ate with sinners and, you know, was kind to tax collectors and, you know, told the woman who was caught in adultery, go and sin no more, neither do I condemn you. We, that's what we want. And this doesn't seem like that, this revelation picture. We clean the passages that tell us how much God loves us and we run from passages that do the opposite. But the whole of Scripture, not just Revelation, helps us see that God in His infinite wisdom deals with sin with both grace and mercy, and we like that, grace and mercy and judgment. The whole of Scripture, the entirety of all of Scripture helps us to see that, yes, there is a place a situation that has happened throughout history that God created Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. He says, you can do anything that you want. Don't eat of that tree, but anything else you can. And what did they do? It's almost like they ran to the tree. He said, don't eat. It's like when our, we tell our kids, don't do something. That's inevitably the thing that they do, right? Or at least my kids. So maybe your kids are more perfect than mine, all right? But mine don't. It's like, don't do that. And that's what they do. Well, that's what Adam and Eve did. They ran into rebellion against God. And ever since, God has been both displaying His grace and kindness and also displaying His judgment and condemnation and correction. This is nothing new the book of Revelation shows us. It's just a final culmination of it. And maybe that's why it's so hard, because it seems so final, and it is. But it's the natural progression of what we've seen all along. It must come to this moment. The whole of Scripture helps us to see that God displays both grace and mercy and judgment. And that's what we should expect from a creator who's dealing with people in a whole system that's in rebellion against him. So let's read together Revelation chapter 16, 1 through 7. 
Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first went and poured out his bowl on the earth. And severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped its image. The second poured out his bowl into the sea. It turned to blood like that of a dead person. And all life in the sea died. The third bowl poured out the third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. I heard the angel of the, of the waters say, "You are just the holy one who is and who was because you have passed judgment on these things because they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it." I heard the altar say, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And that's hard. It's hard. They deserve it, it says. It's hard because judgment must come. We don't like it. And listen, I'm... I hope you hear it. I hope you understand that this is not like a message I relish in delivering. You know, it's not like I prepared this week and I'm just giddy with excitement. No, this is hard and daunting and difficult, but it's the Word of God. And it's true, and we got to know it and understand it so that we may avoid it, so that we may avoid the wrath to come. And I hope that you hear in my voice now and even in the tears that I shed reading this passage that I pray and hope that no one listening to my voice in this moment would ever have to receive this wrath. And there's a way that you won't have to receive it. There's a way that you can get out of it. There's a way that you can avoid it. And I hope and pray that you would turn to Jesus and you would find help and redemption and love and grace and mercy rather than his judgment. Because it was at the cross that perfectly God Almighty poured out his grace and mercy and his wrath at the very same time. And he poured out his wrath on Jesus himself while extending grace and mercy to all those who would look upon Jesus and trust in his sacrifice, trust in his death and resurrection as their sacrifice, as their atonement, and that they would look to him and find freedom. And so, friends, you can do that today. You can trust in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus and escape the wrath to come. In this passage, I just want to look very quickly at three things that I think become quite clear in these seven verses that will help us understand our standing under the just judgment of Jesus. Number one, justice or judgment is real and will one day come in fullness. Judgment will come one day. God's grace and mercy will one day come to an end as it concerns those who align with the system of this world. 
Rebellion against God and his ways has happened for as long as there have been people on the earth. As we already discussed, Adam and Eve, it's almost like they ran and said, oh, wait, we can't eat this. That's what we want to eat. We don't care about anything else. Let's just eat that. And we see that rebellion in our own kids. A joke about my kids doing the same thing helps us to realize and see that our hearts are inclined toward rebellion. One of my favorite hymns, reminds us that we are prone to wonder, prone to leave the one I love, but we've been sealed by the Spirit in that passage. It is our heart's inclination that we rebel against God. It's the inclination of humankind to rebel. Adam and Eve rebelled against God's provision by taking provision into their own hands and say we don't need God we can be our own gods they listened to the lie of the enemy and they followed his ways and Cain rebelled against God's prescribed way of worship by being enraged when God looked on uh, Abel's uh, offering more favorably the people of Noah's day rebelled in every way and so God desired to save a people from those people wouldn't you guess those people eventually multiplied and were fruitful and continued on and then they got to the Tower of Babel and guess what they rebelled again trying to be their own God trying to be better than God and God's grace continues to be extended in every one of those stories while his judgment comes. But one day, his judgment will be complete and will come in completeness. And that's hard. It's hard for us to see. It's hard for us to realize. It's hard for us to swallow. But I pray that maybe today you would realize just enough that you don't have to sit under that. And that's the second point, is that standing under the wrath of God is a choice. Standing under the wrath of God is a choice. It's a choice you and I have. How? How do I say that? How, how do I see that in this passage? Well, look at verse 2. It says, The first angel went and poured out his wrath on the earth, and severely painful sores broke out on whom? on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped its image. You see, the wrath of God extends to those who are in rebellion against God. And in this instance, and we've talked about this in weeks past, I encourage you, if you weren't a part of that, maybe all those messages are online, you might want to go and, and look at that. But what we see is that the people who take the mark of the beast, it's not like some surprise thing, oh, here's your mark of the beast, here you go. No, it's like, we want that. Give us the mark of the beast. We want to worship him. We want to give ourselves over to his ways and over to who he is and over to his kingdom. And that is who the, the wrath, the judgment is poured out on in this moment. Those who would rather worship the ways of the world and worship the things that the world has to offer rather than devoting and realizing that they can give their lives to Jesus Christ and be redeemed and forgiven and rescued out of the judgment to come. Especially 
where we live, we ought to know because the, the church is so huge here, the representation of Jesus is so huge in the land that we live in that people ought to know that there is a way that they can find forgiveness for their sins and they can find redemption and they can find eternal life. But I would offer that too often the church across the globe, but it's particularly in America, North America, is so weak and unwilling to plead with people to trust on the Lord Jesus Christ and is so powerless seemingly that the world doesn't know or they don't care and there's that as well but friends if we would just be loving and caring enough to speak the truth of people and listen they don't want to, we don't, we don't if we don't like judgment who in the world would? If Christians don't even like it, who in the world would? So I understand it's not an easy thing. It's not like we just say, hey, you're, the judgment of God will come upon you one day. Like, that's a really hard conversation to have, right? But what I'm saying is if we could have a heart of compassion to say, listen, I know you may not agree with me. I know we may differ on a lot of things, but I have to tell you this because I believe that one day if you do not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins then judgment awaits you and I want you to avoid that it's like uh, my, my example often is like we're, we're beggars who found bread and wouldn't we go and tell all the other beggars we knew if we had an endless supply of bread wouldn't we do that and friends we are we are beggars I'm not perfect I was a wretched sinner destined for hell as well and God rescued me the same for you and I each and every one of us the judgment of God awaited me awaited you but the Lord redeemed us and saved us and forgave us and gave us an opportunity to trust in him and we did and we received that gift you see you can't have your cake and eat it too there is no partiality with God. You cannot serve two masters, the scripture says. You will either serve God or you will serve the serpent, the beast, the dragon in his ways. You see, Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, rose to life on the third day and defeated the power of death, hell, sin, and the grave and bought a way for you to have that hope and to know in all certainty that you would would, would escape the wrath to come but you must decide you must decide will I serve myself in my ways in this world or will I serve Jesus the third thing that we see in this passage is that blood has already been spilled and payment will come look in the final verses there all three through seven it talks about the second bowl poured all to the sea and blood came there the third uh, bowl poured into the rivers and springs and blood they became blood and then the angel says you are just the holy one who is and who was because you have passed judgment on these things because they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets you have given them blood to drink 
they deserve it. So in this case, it is being stated that blood is a righteous judgment because blood was taken from those uh, speaking to martyrs, people who are martyred for their faith, prophets who are martyred because of what they believed. And it says that that blood is a right recompense. But I'll help you see that that is not the only blood that has been spilled. That Jesus Christ spilled his blood and took the payment for your sins so that your blood wouldn't have to be spilled and you wouldn't have to drink the wrath of God's judgment. There's still time to depend upon his blood and the payment that it accomplished and thus avoid the judgment that this passage speaks of. I think the, I think the message is clear. I think the response is clear for you and I today. I think it's, it's very simple. It's very straight to the point. It's not easy. It's not simple in the way of ease. ease. It's simple in the way that it is straightforward. Will you choose yourself and what this world has to offer? Or will you choose the blood that Jesus spilled for you? And will you choose Jesus today? It's really the question that we all must inevitably answer at some point in our life. Why, why wait? Why take any more time? Why not just decide today? Because you must decide. You must. Will you decide now and beat God to the punch? Or will you wait till that moment when it's too late and God comes and the Bible says that one day at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess eventually everyone everyone will realize that Jesus Christ is who he said he is and was who he said he was and that he deserves our adulation our worship our honor and our lives but it, for some people it will be too late so why don't you just beat God to the punch why don't you just do it now why don't you just bow your knee to Jesus now why don't you just decide to trust Jesus now why wait and enjoy the eternal hope that rests for those who are in Christ for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish will not receive judgment will not be condemned but will receive eternal life. We must decide, why not today? Would you pray with me? Our team's going to come and lead us in a song. And I pray that you would fall headlong on the grace and mercy of Jesus while you still are able. Lord, we love you. We praise you, Lord. It's a hard message. But it's true. And there's hope. Because Jesus saves. Lord, I pray that someone today would trust and believe in Jesus.
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're singing. And if God is working in your heart and life in any way, any way, come. I'd love to share with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. Whatever needs to be done. If you want to wait till afterwards, that's fine. Come find me afterwards. Don't leave without talking to somebody today. Let's sing to him.